This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome back to Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for being here. We have a lot to talk about in this episode as a tough stretch for the Mariners well, it got even tougher in Detroit. We're going to detail the game yesterday. Also, bullpen banter here. Rick Griffin with Robinson Cano. And also the general manager of the Mariners, Jared Apoto, on hand as well. So, a ton to get to in this one. There was no podcast yesterday, of, co- of course. Funny story. There was actually a podcast recorded yesterday. But when I was coming back from uh, Boston, I was going to put put the finishing touches on it, and post it from the plane. I left my power at Fenway Park. So I've been without juice for like 24 hours. So there was no podcast yesterday, although it exists. And someday when I release the B-sides of the podcast, maybe yesterday's will be on it. So we'll try and make up for it in this one today. But it's really been a tough stretch, and I'm going to detail some of the numbers coming up and really, I think, shines light on what is happening with the Mariners the last uh, couple of weeks. But Mariners in Detroit taking on the Tigers, and another important series when you consider where the Mariners and Tigers are in terms of the rest of the AL heap as teams really fighting it out for playoff position. And the Tigers masher wasted little time getting Detroit on the board. The 0-1 pitch swing and a high fly ball deep into the gap in left center field. Going and going. Goodbye baseball. Out of the ballpark to left center field to the right of Al Kaline's statue. It cleared the batter's eye right past the flagpole. Holy smokes. A long home run by Miguel Cabrera. His 15th of the year and the Tigers have taken a 2-0 lead. Yeah, but the Mariners fight back, and they actually had a very good night offensively. 19 hits along the way. If he misses right here to Adam Lynn, Adam can give the Mariners a one-run lead. Right now, they're down by one. And the pitch on the way, swing, and a well-hit ball deep to right field. Moya going back, looking up. Goodbye baseball. He did it. Adam Lynn with his 10th home run of the season, and it gives the Mariners a one-run lead. Holy smokes, a two-run shot by Lynn, and it's now the Mariners' six and the Tigers' five. That's six Mariners now with double-digit home runs this season already, tied with the Nationals for most in baseball. You've got Cano, Cruz, Seager, Martin, Lee, and now Lynn, all in double-digit home runs. 
The Tigers, though, they scored more. The Mariners scored more. And finally, the M's would tie the game late. The pitch, the Martins swing and a line drive, and it skips on by the first baseman. Cabrera got a glove on it down the right field line. A fair ball. Marte running third, and he will score. Leonis Martin with a shot down the right field line. The Mariners have tied up this game at 7 to 7 here in the top of the eighth inning. How about that? Leonis Martin. With his third hit tonight, drives in a huge run. And it would stay that way until the 12th inning when Detroit would walk the Mariners off. 2-2. Here's a drive, left field, all kinds of trouble. That is your ball game. Justin Upton rifles one, left center field. Game winner here in the 12th, Tigers win it 8-7. Second home run for Upton tonight. Gives him eight on the season, and he is getting hot for his new team. They mob him at home plate, and there was no question about that line drive. Mariners now have lost three games in a row. The Rangers, meanwhile, have won seven in a row. Nine-and-a-half game lead on the Mariners in the division, and the M's right in the pack with everyone else in the American League fighting it out. Boston, Toronto, Kansas City, Detroit, Houston now creeping up on the M's as well. A lot of teams in the mix along with the Mariners. And before I get to kind of what the trend has been, let's hear from the skipper, Scott Service. Well, how do you evaluate just that one and the way that one ends? Yeah, you know, that, was, that was a tough one there. Um, you know, a lot of runs scored early. Uh, kind of a crazy game, really, really. Just either side's pitching got settled in. And then, you know, it's kind of a battle of bullpens. Um, you know, I thought our guys threw the ball pretty well. Um, just didn't get those couple big hits. Um, you know, we left a lot of guys on base tonight. Again, even though we did score seven runs, uh, we, we certainly had opportunities to, to add on. And then, then late just couldn't get the, the, the big hit to, to push across a big run. Any silver lining in the contributions up and down with the offense? I, I know that the you know couldn't quite get him in from third, but any yeah. silver lining in that? No, a lot of guys. You know, Adam Lynn swung the bat very well. Uh, Marte had a nice night. Uh, you know, and a lot of guys contribute. Uh, just you know, you know, pushing that, putting the big big run, inning together at our late, and um, you know, we had chances. There's no doubt. We had guys on base. Um, you know, and like I said, I, I thought uh, Ben Wall threw the ball very very well. Uh, and Nuno has been. You know, really good and in, in going out there and, and taking the ball, and and he's a he's a grinder. I appreciate what he does. Just you know, made a mistake to Upton, and you know they, they got the big the big hit. It all starts for starter though, just five innings there, and that's becoming a pattern. Yeah, it, it does start uh, with starting pitching. Uh, we talked about all along. Um, you know, it was a struggle for Nate tonight uh, to get much going. Uh, location wasn't great. Sequences weren't great. Uh, he was just um, we were fortunate to get him through five innings. Maybe address this, but you're asking a lot of your bullpen the last couple of weeks. And, you know. Yeah, you know we are. Uh, it's it's a total team effort. Other parts of the team got to step up. Um, you know when the starting pitching is struggling, whether it's offense, whether it's bullpen. You know there's a lot of different ways to win. Uh, it's just kind of the spot we're in right now with our starting pitching banged up a little bit, and some of the guys are going out there uh, have been struggling. So we still got to find ways to win, and it's usually got to come from different spots in the, in the club. I know he's had a couple tough games. Is his timing just off a little bit? Yeah, you know, it, it is. Um, you know, number of reasons. I'm not pitching him tough, but they always do. You know, and then just trying to lay off the tough ones to get good pitches he can handle. Um, just hasn't been the case, you know, in the last, uh, you know, really since we left Tampa. Um, it has just been a struggle for him. But, you know, he's our guy. Um, he'll continue to 
you know, to figure it out and, and drive in the big runs when we need them. You know, he's just struggling right now. So there it is. That's Scott Service, and they talked a lot about the rotation. And you look at the last 24 games for the Mariners, an ERA of 4.83 for the pitching staff, 8-16 and 16 during that stretch. That's from the end of May, May 27th until yesterday. And really, the rotation, you look at the innings pitched, and in the last 25 starts, they've only had seven starts of seven innings or more. And Hisashi Wakuma has five of those seven. He is consistently giving the Mariners seven innings at a turn, but the rest of the four spots in the rotation just have not been. And, of course, Felix has been out for that stretch. That has certainly not helped. Uh, and now you look at it, Felix on the DL, Miley's on the DL, question marks surrounding Walker as well, who went back to Seattle to uh, uh, have an MRI on his injury. So a lot of questions surrounding this rotation. We talked about it before the season, the rotation was supposed to be a strength of this team and something this team would certainly rely on. And right now the rotation's struggling and probably not a big surprise that they're going through a stretch where they're really struggling. Although you look at it, and what I think makes this stretch even more painful is when you look at how all of these games are winding up and how close the Mariners are in all of these games. I mean, we're talking in their last 10 losses – Nine of those ten have been within one or two runs. I mean, Detroit yesterday, lose by one in extra innings. The day before that in Boston, a two-to-one loss. And then you had in Tampa Bay, losing three-to-two and eight-to-seven. The first two games of that series. Texas, losing the last two games of the series, two-to-one and six-to-four. Cleveland, losing by a couple of runs in the last game. And the first game of the series, three-to-one and 5-3. to three. Same with Texas, uh, the last game of that series, June 5th, losing 3-2. to two. So, you know, all of these games so close, despite some struggles from the rotation, but that's what we've talked about in the past as well. The margin is so small in baseball, from winning and losing, being on a hot streak or not, and that's what the Mariners are facing right now. And they'll try and get back at it today against the Tigers Game two of the series, needless to say, they could use a very good start in this one. 4-10, first pitch from Detroit. Justin Verlander will go for the Tigers. James Paxton for the Mariners, 1-2, a 2-8-6 ERA. Verlander, 7-5, a 3-8-7 ERA. Although Verlander's been awfully strong as of late. A 2-3-1 ERA in his last eight outings. He has been outstanding. The Mariners, though, they could use some innings from Paxton tonight against the Detroit Tigers. Well, right now we're going to hear from the Mariners' general manager. Here's Aaron Goldsmith, Mike Blowers with Jerry Depoto. We're joined by Mariners' general manager, Jerry Depoto. Jerry, happy Father's Day to you. Well, the same to everybody. Now, this is uh, about as good of a day as you could ask for, is it not, here at Fenway Park? I, my mother was lamenting. As I called my dad this morning on the walk over to the ballpark, and she said, I, I saw that the temperature was 68 degrees yesterday. I said, it did. felt a little warmer than that. She said, not here while it's 110 in wow. suburban Kansas City. So. <laughs> well, Jerry, I was looking up your numbers here on our personal favorite website, Baseball oh, Reference. Uh, four appearances here at Fenway Park, Jerry. Four and two-thirds innings. A couple of earned. 
couple of walks, but three strikeouts. Uh, controlling the zone maybe was an issue at Fenway Park here. Jerry, what do you think? What are your uh, memories pitching here? My memories here, I, I had a bad day coming in for Jack Morris. <laughs> that I know for sure. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but the, as, as a general rule, the, the controlling the zone issues, it was not relegated just to, <laughs> to Fenway Park. <laughs> you know, as I, I've learned through the years that you aspire to, to find guys that are a little bit different than you. And uh, <laughs> there's, we, we prefer them to throw it over the plate. Hey, Jerry, we want to talk to you about your big league team, but we're talking to you for the first time since the Major League Draft. Tell us uh, your impressions on uh, the successes for the Mariners and the draft picks. You know, I'm really thrilled with how the draft went for us. I thought Tom McNamara and Tom Allison did a great job bringing it all together. I feel like we were really fortunate to get the opportunity to pick Kyle Lewis with the 11th pick, not something we expected. We did our work on him. You know, we thought throughout the draft season that he would was perhaps the best player in the draft. And and uh, when it started to come to pass on draft morning that we would have an opportunity to pick him with the 11th pick, it was almost too good to be true. And and uh, sometimes sometimes you get excited and they disappear before you get there, but we were pumped when he came our way. Jerry, right now 68 games into it, four games over, 500. As you look at this club, is this kind of what you anticipated, or, or how do you see it? You know, I, did, I said uh, on the TV broadcast the other day, we're, we're about where we thought we would be. We just got here in a bit of a, a unique way. And we played so, so well for, for the months of April and May. And, and I think expectations raised as a result, justifiably so. And here in June, we've been 6-11. and 11. We've been kind of running, standing still, so to speak. And we've battled through some injuries for the first time with Felix down for an extended period, Marte and Martin missing time, now Miley. Uh, you have to overcome those things to be a winning team, but – you know, coming through the offseason, we thought we were built to be in that 86-88 zone. And if things broke right for us, we could win 90-92. And I think if the season ended today, we would be on a, an 86-87 win pace. And that's, that's about where we thought we'd be, which is going to make the next uh, six weeks or so really interesting for us. As you look at the ball club, uh, is there either an individual or just a, a portion of the team that has been a surprise to you? You know, I still think that the bullpen has been a, an incredible strength based on where we started the season with all the tumult and turbulence coming out of spring training and, and not quite knowing how that group was going to come together. There have been some unfortunately poorly timed homers that uh, that have gotten in our way. But, you know, for the most part, I think Steve Ciszek, Nick Vincent, Joaquin Benoit, Mike Montgomery, Vidal Nuno, you know, the guys that have been down there, those five in particular, especially the four not Jack Benoit, that have been down there from opening day forward have really done a nice job for us. Uh, the addition of Edwin Diaz has really been a shot in the arm. Offensively, we're doing all that we could have dreamed we would do, I think almost across the board. And if there's a, if there's a weak spot, it's covered up by somebody else's you know, exceptional season. And the starting rotation has been maybe a little less consistent than we would like for it to be. And, you know, that, that will solve itself. I think James Paxson has been a revelation since he came back from AAA. We need to get Felix back out there because when he's there, it really starts to settle the ship. But, you know, defensively, we need to be better than we've played. Any type of update on Felix just in terms of timetable? You know, Felix, is the last three days have been the best for him since this is, has gone down. And uh, it, the last three days have been the best for him. We are hopeful that uh, we're looking at something between now and the All-Star break, but the more likely scenario is that we get him out to pitch somewhere for a, a brief outing uh, just before or during the All-Star break, and he's ready to go for us as we come out. You mentioned the bullpen, and, and obviously you look towards your starters getting deeper into games, and that's been a bit of an issue. And what I'm curious about is is you look at Nathan Carnes. It doesn't take much to – 
really like his stuff. I mean, he's got 94 to 96 with the curveball and the changeup and, and all the great stuff. But it just he's struggling to get through it. And I don't know if there's something that he can do to get deeper into a game. I think what he could do is not let them hit so many foul balls. <laughs> yeah, how do you the, fix that, yeah, though? I don't know. Yeah. Because uh, you know, Taiwan's thing, had the same issue. Absolutely. And, and, and I think what you find with strikeout pitchers, and both of those guys are strikeout pitchers, you get strikeout fly ball guys like Taiwan, like I'm particularly like Nate Carnes, who's extreme in this regard. I think Nate, personally, Nate is a guy who elevates fastballs. He's got the big curveball that comes out of the, the fastball plane. It's a great strikeout combination. It's also a, a series of pitches that results in a lot of foul balls. Guys don't naturally catch up with that fastball, and then they protect versus the breaking ball, and you get a lot of 2-2 counts with a series of foul balls. It creates a higher pitch count when he gets into the fifth inning, and Nate's not geared to be that 120-pitch guy. It's, you know, we feel like he's a 90-100 to 100 pitch guy, and if those 90-100 to 100 pitches take him through the sixth or seventh, it's because they weren't hitting foul balls. Because he's about to strike out an inning guy, he's going to get a lot of foul balls. So on the day we acquired him, we understood that he was more of a 15-18 out type pitcher. And as, as the guy that's manning the back of your rotation who has – more middle to top of the rotation type stuff and strikeout numbers, you're willing to absorb the, the three innings or three outs less in order to, to have that kind of dominant fixture for a five or six inning period. We just need for that to be more consistent through the, the five-man rotation. You gave us a good update on uh, Felix. Can you give us any type of update on Tony Zick? Uh, Tony still, we're, we're TBD. He's, okay. uh, he's actually headed off to Arizona. He had recently had a, another procedure. Uh, to try to get him back on track. Obviously, it's we've not gone surgical intervention. We don't think that's required with Tony. It's been a long, slow rehab for him. I don't think the, there's a light at the end of the tunnel right now. He's shifting to Peoria and, you know, still not to the point where he's throwing off a mound. What about um, Steve Clevenger? We had a chance to see him yesterday. I know in spring training, talking to Scott, um, at that time he said that he was pleasantly surprised at how far along he was on the defensive side of things. What have you seen from him, and where are you at with Steve? You know, I think Clev's done a really nice job, and, and our catchers in general. It, it's a, a sneaky good part of our club where, you know, Steve has done a very nice job. He hasn't played a ton, so you don't get to watch him day in and day out. But he's done a nice job of, of improving the throwing accuracy from spring training forward. I think he's done a nice job of handling pitchers, despite the fact that he doesn't play very often. And he's able to contribute something in the neighborhood of an average major league bat over the course of the last two months after a slow start. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, I asked the question because Chris Iannetta, I think, has been tremendous for this ball club, but he's also had to catch a lot. And I know that Scott would like to back him off a little bit. I mean, obviously, he's so hot hitting-wise right now. You keep, it's hard to keep him out of the lineup. Um, but is that something that you can see happening with Steve, giving him a little bit more of a break as you move forward in the season? Well, I think we have to, especially as we get into, you know, it's going to happen to us for the first time when we hit Detroit. And I think the, the ensuing road trips, as we start to get into the hotter environments and the heat of the summer, you, you just can't play like Chris has been playing. It's one thing to catch 12-plus, 13 innings in, in Tampa in a 76-degree right. dome. It's another thing to go out and do it in Kansas City or Detroit in 105-degree, 100% humidity weather in the middle of the summer. So club's going to have to pick up some of the slack. We've got a minute left with Jerry DePoto. And Jerry, I want to circle back to the draft for a moment. Being in the uh, war room with about 30 or 40 other Mariners uh, front office employees, uh, Jerry, you looked like you were at a cocktail party. You could not you were could not have been more cool, calm and collected. I mean, there was people are more stressed out for their fantasy draft than you were for the major league draft. I mean, is this 
Is this normal, Jerry? Because I was expecting a tense, uh, you know, a tense environment, and it was just kind of like just hanging out to the 11th pick. It, or, or was that just – was there more going on under, underneath the surface that we just couldn't see? Yeah, I sweat on the inside. Okay. I, I'm, I'm normally not a, a real tense person. I like a loose environment. We had done so much work up to that point that we were prepared for however mm-hmm. it fell to us. And, you know, right now, uh, and the 10,000-foot, the overlook or overview of the organization, our, our minor league system's playing great. We've already had two teams qualify for postseason. Our two most recent starters, uh, the, the DSL Mariners, are 11-2. and two. The Everett's got off to a 1-1 one one start. We're in really good shape. Uh, you know, the draft I don't think could have gone too much better for us. We were very excited about it. And right now we need to get back on the positive trend at the big league level. But, you know, where we are in the middle of June is about where we expect it to be. So all signs point toward staying tension-free. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, as always, thanks for joining us. You got it. And here's Rick Griffin. With Robinson Cano, it's bullpen banter time. Hello, everyone. It's bullpen banter time with Rick Griffin once again filling in for Charlie Furbush. I'm thinking about changing the name of the show to Training Room Banter. going to think that over for next time if we do this again. We have an amazing special guest today, Mr. Robinson Cano. can ask him some real good questions, but the first thing we need to say is congratulations on becoming the all-time American League home run hitting second baseman. Oh, thank you, thank you. And, uh, I mean, it's an honor to be able to um, break that kind of records for, you know, all the superstars, second baseman and Hall of Fame and that um, legend they have played this game in the past and be able to become the first one. I mean, something that I take a lot of pride on myself. Well, I was I was really excited for you because yesterday when we were in the training room getting ready for the game, you told me that if you hit a home run today to make sure and get the ball. So you must have had a feeling you might hit a home run last night. Well, I, I didn't get the feeling, but I want to make sure that I get the ball if it happens. <laughs> well, you got the ball, right? Yes, sir. Every year in the off season, uh, including last year, even though you had to do a lot of rehab, uh, you go on a special trip. You go somewhere different every year. Uh, where did you go this year? Paris, Milan, Venice, Dubai, and Rome. And Rome. Yes. And which one of those did you like the best? Oh, I like all of them. But I think Dubai is another level. You, you like to go shopping in Dubai, right? I love to travel everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and Milan too, right? Yeah, Milan. I mean, the clothes, fashion is, is big time there. You must like Italian food. I love Italian. Um, last year, after you had your surgery, um, actually you had two surgeries uh, to repair your sports hernias, um, what was your, your typical day like for your rehab? Because you had to do a lot of extra work and you had to do a lot of rehab to get to where you are now. And I know you spent a lot of time uh, doing rehab and conditioning and strengthening. Well, my day like was because um, after say you were staying in Philly for like almost five, six weeks. And then when I met a trainer, they found out that my left, my right side was weaker. So my left side was really strong. So I had to, every exercise that I do, I had to do like one, one feet. So I can balance and get that right leg stronger. So I was, I do the bands exercises, no lifting until January. So it was really hard for me because never, I never been through that. And I was kind of scared, like only doing bands exercises, like how come I'm, I'm going to get my power back. Ended up working good. I think your power is back. He's back. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> I never seen him before. Okay, well, now you've been in Seattle now for a little a little bit of time. What are you starting to like about Seattle? Well, honestly, I like everything. The only thing is rain every day. <laughs> but I like everything. People be so kind, and uh, it's a quiet city that you can, you know, relax, 
go out, eat, dinner, spend time with family, and uh, I really like it. The weather's really nice, too. Now, I know you do a lot of really great charity work. You and I talk about it quite a bit, about some of the things that you're doing, but this this off-season you were in the Dominican and you did some work with some schools and you did some other things. What are what was one of the things that you really appreciated and liked the most this off-season with your charity work? Well, the, the one that I liked the most this off-season was the school. We, we were able to open the school and see all those kids, like, because New Balance donated the uniform and the sneakers and be able to see all the kids, all of them, the way they dress the same and wear the same sneakers and kind of look like so nice and that was amazing for me. Uh, we're working on trying that, um, trying to raise the money for the second one. The goal is is build 22. So hopefully one day somebody can donate a couple schools. <laughs> that's great, and that's great that you do that down there because I know that that gives a lot of a lot of pride to you and that you really enjoy helping out the kids down there. I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about uh, Mr. Felix Hernandez. Now that he's not here around with us, what what do you notice now that he's back in in Seattle rehabbing? What do you notice about the clubhouse that he's not here right now? It's not too much different because you got Leon is in here. Oh, yes. We know when Phil is here, the clubhouse is loud. He's the loudest guy in there. Well, now you got Leon that talks all day. So it's kind of hard to, to know the difference. I was hoping you'd bring up that. I noticed the clubhouse is very, very quiet without Felix hanging around, but I also noticed that Leona seems to have taken upon himself to take over and be as loud as he possibly can. Yeah, but his voice sounds like a little kid. He does have a very unusual <laughs> voice, that's for sure. <laughs> I like when he sings during the national anthem. That's very, very amazing. Well, I never get a chance to be next one, but you know what? Today, I'm going to stand next to him and see if I can hear him singing. <laughs> All right, Robinson, thank you very much uh, for taking your time to come out here and talk to us today as you're wrapped in the two hydroculator packs getting ready for the game. I right, thank you guys for having me again. Thank you. Swing and a high fly ball deep to right field. Calhoun going back, looking up. There it is. Career home run number 300 for Raul Ibanez. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.